This is your Thursday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. You know, some days I say we've got a lot to talk about. I say that a lot of days. I really mean it today. Not that I don't mean it most days, but there is a particular um, backlog of things to get to. A very newsy Wednesday, so I've got a lot of things on my list that I make every day. My show rundown, my show notes, things of that nature. I will also have Bob Timmons. Um, outdoor writer at the Star Tribune does a great job covering uh, a lot of things outdoors related. Um, talking to him about the Cuyuna State uh, State Recreation Area, really cool story on just the revitalization of that area and better things to come even ahead uh, in that area in Minnesota. Just a huge mi- mountain biking area, outdoor recreation area that uh, has really caught on in in the last decade, and they have big high hopes for that even going forward. I think that's near the near Crosby Ironton. So good conversation with with. Uh, Bob about that and uh, look forward to that here in a little bit. But first, what did I miss? Like I said, if you took a really long nap yesterday or, you know, just stopped paying attention to sports temporarily, like when a 24-hour sports hiatus or something like that, now that you would, um, you missed a lot. I want to get to the Twins right off the jump, not because they have warranted it with their play, but because they're interesting. Uh, Major League Baseball trade deadline is Friday, and things are heating up, and I want to talk about that in tandem with what happened on uh, on Wednesday when they, they lost 17-14 to to Detroit. I joked on Twitter, uh, 17-14, that was a... Uh, a Missed extra point for uh, for Minnesota. Um, then they got it uh, got it down to three by uh, scoring a touchdown and a two point conversion. Um, but their kicker missed three field goals in the game. Ended up losing. That's kind of what it, it's kind of the game. It feels like when you hit seven home runs like the Twins did. The Tigers hit zero. The Twins out homer the Tigers seven to nothing and lost that game. I think they hit four home runs in one inning and still couldn't even catch up to Detroit. It was a uh, you know super humid, super hot day. The ball is obviously carrying like crazy at Target Field, but uh, yeah, to lose that game like that um, again doesn't really matter on the field. But you're gonna think I'm you know if you if you just focus in on that game and then listen to what I'm gonna say next, you're gonna be like, Rand, are you are you nuts? What are you talking about? But yes, trade Jose Barrios. The, the rumors are heating up. Um, trade him right now because this thing needs to be. Torn down, not you know, not a five-year rebuild, but a two-year rebuild. This t- this team needs to be retooled in a big way at the very least. And I think the way you need to do it is is to get younger, to get more nimble, to get more low cost a, a little bit, at least for now, because I don't think this team is winning in 2022. I've talked about that multiple times. And if the, if the offers are starting to pour in for Jose Barrios, you know, maybe Max Scherzer has moved into that number one trade target role in baseball. But, you know, a lot of teams, you know, once that happens or if that falls apart, uh, a lot of a lot of teams will be looking for, you know, plan 1A, and that's Jose Barrios in a lot of cases, it sounds like, according to Phil Miller's reporting in the Star Tribune. So you're like, well, how can you trade Jose Barrios? They just gave up 17 runs. Jay Happ was terrible again, uh, by the way, not helping his trade value a single bit by giving up, I think, nine runs in that game. It's just been an awful year for him, a guy they had high hopes for after he was coming off of, you know, some pretty good years, but, you know, sometimes a veteran, when it falls apart, it falls apart, and the wheels have come off uh, the J-Hap bus this season. So how, how can you trade Jose Brios, you're saying? Well, 
because it's not just one problem on this team. I know pitching has been a problem in large part this season, that hitting isn't necessarily the larger focus problem. So how do you trade Jose Brios? Well, because, like I said, it, it's such a varied problem on this team. You're not going to fix this just with one thing. Tomorrow they could lose 2-1, to one, uh, and it might be the the offense's turn to sputter. The next day they could lose you know, 5-4. to four. It might be a bullpen meltdown. Um, a couple games later, it might be six to two and they make three errors. Like there's a lot of holes on this team. And when you have a lot of holes, that tells you you're not just, you know, one or two tweaks away from turning this thing around. You are many, many moves away from being better. Twins have some promising players right now that I'd like to get a longer look at. Um, I think they need to get a longer look at to figure out what they need to do in this offseason. But they also they, they need to get information. And the way they get information, the way you stockpile more young talent is to move on Jose Barrios right now while he's got you know a year and a half basically left of team control. While he can help a contender this season and next season, and you maximize his trade value. I like Jose Barrios. I think he's a great guy. I think he's going to get paid either by a new team or in free agency, you know, uh, by, by a new team, either by a trade or by free agency. But I think the time is right right now to trade him even after you lose 17 to 14. You want some good news? Um, Hassani Dotson scored an absolute beauty of a goal for the Loons uh, late, late, late on, uh, on Wednesday to get them a draw in Los Angeles. Uh, I had intern... Christina Long on the show a couple days ago, and she was talking about her first soccer covering experience, uh, which was earlier this year, and she covered a, a draw. It was the the draw between the uh, the Loons and um, San Jose, if I'm not mistaken. It was a home game, um, and she was saying, you know, I, I she had never covered a tie in any sport before. I think she's used to you know covering a lot of baseball, a lot of football, growing up in in Arkansas and working at the you know working in Missouri at her college you know, in college. And so, you know, soccer was a new experience for her, but, you know, she, she said, I, how do you, I wasn't quite sure how to cover a draw. And what she learned was that there are good draws and there are bad draws. And that didn't really, you know, register with her right away that some teams are happier with the tie than others. And in that case, the Loons were not happy. They, they wanted the win. You know, when you're the home team, you generally want to win, but they, they thought they had the, the better of the play that day. They thought they were the better side. Um, and so they were disappointed in the draw while San Jose was happy with it. You know, a road draw is, you know, better than a lot of different outcomes, uh, especially, you know, especially a loss, which is probably the other outcome we're talking about here. But Loons, you know, come back very, very, very late and very late uh, in the game and very late in the night. Dotson scores in like the 94th minute. So we're talking about like late stoppage time, just an absolute great ball in from uh, Jan Gregus and just, you know, cracks one in from around the 18-yard line, just smokes it past the keeper. 2-2 draw for the Loons. I think they've got points in like 10 of 11 or 9 of 10, something like that. They're just, ever since that slow start this season, they've been very, very methodically getting better. A lot of depth on the field, a lot of good, you know, a lot of good places where the offense can come from, which is nice to see. So that's a team to keep your eye on. Just like the Lynx, who are on their break right now, a slow start this season has given away to better things. We'd hoped that for the Twins. Clearly, that's not happening. But for the Loons, I think it is happening right now. And you go, go check out that goal, the highlight of that goal. You can find it a lot of different places. But that was an absolute beauty, an absolute rocket from the 18-yard box and just smoked it past the keeper for a nice win for the Loons.
Wild was very busy Wednesday. Three signings highlighted by Alex Goligoski, Minnesota native, coming home to play for the Wild veteran. Does not make me feel young. I did not realize until I was, you know, reading the story about. It. I think Sarah McClellan wrote about, you know, the signing and just Goligoski a little bit more in uh, Thursday's Star Tribune. Did not realize he's 36 now. He's a guy that I remember very well from uh, from my high school sports covering days. I think he was kind of at, at his at his peak as a uh, high school player right when I was uh, maybe you know doing some doing a lot of high school coverage but you know a name that we all remember very well from you know from from his his amateur career in Minnesota played a lot of years with the Penguins very successful career now coming home on a one year five year deal now the only thing I'll say about this is it does seem a little bit strange to be paying him now 36 uh, 5 million dollars right after you bought out Ryan Suter making about $7 million, also 36. Um, I know the cap charges are different. I know that this season in particular, you've got some flexibility because of, you know, the way the buyout is structured, but it, it does seem a little strange. You know, it, it, was there a way they could have gotten a little bit more creative where they only had to buy out Zach Parisi and still could have fit these extensions in, still could have done the things they wanted to this year and not had that, you know, had that future pain be so much. And Bill Guerin's like, you know, we did what we did. I don't regret it, and I, I think he's he's obviously got a plan. That's why you don't you don't do something like that and just you know fire into it and say, well, we're just doing it and not have a plan. And we're going to watch this plan unfold. I think they're going to have a good you know signing two defensemen headlined by Goligoski on Wednesday. Certainly helps you feel better about next season. I just wonder how these things are going to creep up in future years when those cap charges for for Parisi and Suter are even higher. And I do wonder how they feel about paying, you know, in cash at least $12 million for uh, essentially one on the ice 36-year-old defenseman this season. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Really happy to have Bob Timmons on Daily Delivery today. He's been on a couple times before talking to us about uh, the great outdoors. I feel like it was uh, the Mississippi Adventure last time we talked, Bob, which was a uh, a fun story. The the one you've got in Friday's paper and on starttobean.com um, is equally cool uh, about the, the Cuyuna Trail area up, you know, up in Crosby, Ironton, and just kind of how that area has taken off as an outdoor, you know, mountain biking recreational area in recent years. Maybe, uh, you know, maybe right from the jump, you know, first off, how are you doing? And second, uh, second of all, how did this story kind of come together? Hey, thanks, Ramball. Good to be back with you. Um, yeah, I'm doing well, and I'm excited to, uh, you know, to get this story about Cuyuna Lakes, Cuyuna Country State Recreation Area, in front of readers. You know, it's a topic that we've um, hit before through the years um, as people, uh, visitors, kind of got wind of, hey, I've heard about these uh, this mountain biking trail system within Cuyuna Country. Uh, rec area. And, um, and so, you know, our story really is like, it's the 10, 10 year anniversary of these trails opening and uh, what's going on up there now and how, you know, 
if the mountain biking trails, which are still expanding, by the way, and there's more, there's um, a bunch uh, open this summer that are more advanced, the equivalent of black diamonds, you know, rocky jumps yeah. and on and on and on. So there's a really diversity of trails and they're attract, you know, now you can go, you can be a first timer hitting the greens or you can be, you know, um, somebody who mainlines adventure <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and does these, um, these gravity trails. So they're really now that now this Cayuna country is um, at a whole new level. And my story gets into how 10 years in this place, this recreation area is only really realizing its potential. You know, there's 5,000 acres there, mm. these mine, there's 15 mine lakes, some of them 300, 400 feet deep that people scuba, there's huge scuba diving crowd uh, that's been using these lakes for years. You've got paddlers, uh, paddle boarders, canoers, you've got people going hard after trout. And so there's a lot going on up there and it's been a huge, uh, economic driver for Crosby, Ironton, Deerwood, what's called the Cuyuna Lakes community. So even though we've reported, like I said, about the power of outdoor recreation, it's, it is like, jet fuel now this place is just going rocketing and it's become a blueprint for other areas on the range where there's a lot of mining land to reclaim so yeah how did you know what is making it specifically take off now is it people seeking out this specific area is it things that they've done to promote and develop it is it just word of mouth how do you how do you think now is the time that you know hey 10 years in um you know it's been a success story but the next 10 could be even better Great questions. <laughs> um, it's a lot of things, a confluence of a lot of things. COVID, clearly, as you and I have talked about yeah. and other people have written about, COVID sent so many of us outdoors even more so. And I think a lot of people discovered um, Cuyuna Country or thought, hey, now's the time to go up there. I've been thinking about it. What is this place? Last year, 2020, they had 160,000 people ride the trails up there. Wow. They had 500,000, half a million people just visit Cuyuna Country Rec wow. Area, whether you camped, came for the day, came for the night, 500,000. And they're thinking that they're going to exceed those totals in 2021. So you have the COVID going on. You also have people on the ground who live in Cuyuna Lakes who are all in concert now, healthcare, manufacturing, community organizers, chamber of commerce, people in the mountain biking. They have 300 people in the Cuyuna uh, Country Mountain Bike Crew. Who mm. These people, Aaron Hatala, who's the original president, and many others, these are the people who built the trails and worked with the DNR and are still working with the DNR to expand the trails. All of these people now have a real synergy going on. you got new businesses opening whether they're renting, whether they're feeding people or restaurants or their their gear shops or renting out stuff. I mean, it, you've got a lot of interesting, cool things happening in that community. And it's just uh, it's just a wave. Kind of cool to think about, because I imagine, you know, like back in the day, as we say, which is a while ago. I mean, like you said, this is the heart of the iron range. I couldn't have imagined this being the direction it went. Um, so I, it's just kind of cool to think about that you know, that being how this area is now, you know, thriving in a certain degree. Yeah. You know, um, more than 10 years ago, and I don't get too deep into some of this background, but 
you know, you you had when mining left in, on this part of the range, when mining uh, kind of closed shop in the 80s, um, you know, this was how people, you know, these miners, their families, this is how money, yeah. you know, supported the local economy. Well, you had Crosby's a perfect example of um, 10, 15, you know, 15 years ago, 40% or more of the storefronts were boarded up, you know. Mm homes for sale every other block. And again, biking tourism, uh, as things, you know, these trails opened 10 years ago, there was a lot of branding going on as making this, hey, this is a destination place, you know, come here and and uh, see all that there is of Cuyuna country. And all again, all of that is um, with a lot of sweat equity, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, coming into play at pivotal moments has now turn that whole thing around. I mean, now people are moving there just because of the recreation area. They're bringing, you know, the medical center is bringing in doctors who want to, you know, bring their families there. And um, you got people buying Airbnb, buying property to open Airbnbs because there's such a market for that. So yeah, it's, it's on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and as we think about it, um, how much of this is potentially a uh, a blueprint and maybe you've even hinted at this already um for you know other places on on the range other parts of northern minnesota that you know they they probably see the success that's happening here and you know you can't just magically press a button and do the same things in different communities like you say it's not just having the access to the trails it's the synergy of the community getting behind it and things like that and you know word of mouth and you know advertising building it up to to this thing but are there other places, you know, near there on the range that you, you could see this, you know, that we're kind of like at the infancy of, of this or at a, at a certain point in this where you could see other places taking off kind of like this? Yeah, that's a um, great way to spin it forward because, um, and I wrote about this, oh gosh, probably been a couple months ago now, but um, Cuyuna country really wrapped around the mountain bike trail system um, has created a sort of playbook for other areas on the range. And so now you've got, um, there's two parks, two mountain biking facilities, as they like to call them, um, systems. There's one called Redhead in Chisholm and, and another called um, Tioga, named after the mines, uh, in the Cohasset area near Grand Rapids. And both of those um, are also have a lot of threads that, that are streams that go back to Cuyuna. You've got reclaimed mine land. Um, you've had the state coming in with grant money who recognized a good thing in Cuyuna. Um, you've had, a, you've had uh, cities like uh, Chisholm, like uh, Cohasset, um, and mountain biking trail associations, chambers. So you've had different ways of funding too, different funding sources who've, you know, you can't, there's no say blueprint. Um, I don't want to get too deep in the weeds here, but those other communities have, have figured out, um, certain relationships and, uh, collaborations to fund some of these things. So it, you know, in, in Chisholm, it's a combination of, um, of say state grant money and maybe some private fundraising and whereas Tioga might be broader than that. Um, but yeah, they're, um, 
but at its core, you're seeing these areas that, hey, wait, we could do this up here too. You know, we've got the land, um, we've got the the power, you know, the people power, we've got the the willing to swing the hammers, as they say. So yeah, it's uh it had, you know, Cuyuna really is a setting the stage for some of these other rural areas who maybe thought their best days were behind them in terms of tourism. You wrote about um, somebody, a man up there, Derek Justin, I believe is his name, who, you know, is kind of settled in there as maybe kind of a, a face of the area a little bit, if that makes, a, if that, if that seems accurate. What, what made him a, an interesting subject? Is he just kind of like representative of what that area is all about or what, what's his story up there? Yeah, I thought, um, yeah, Derek, um, in, in meeting him, uh, and is just, yeah, he's representative people. Um, it's like all comers, people are going there, uh, like Derek lived nearby, um, had, had been cycling and, and running. And then suddenly like, you know, wait a minute. Um, gosh, I'd like to, I'd like to be in that community. He sensed the energy. He needed a change in his life. I've run into, I write a little bit about a uh, guy named Chuck Picard, who's an IT manager with the state of North Dakota. COVID made him realize he could work, you know, really had a lot of mobility. Um, he's still working for the state of North Dakota, but now living in Ironton, bought a, uh, a, re- a house in Crosby that he's renting called Camp Cuyuna in Crosby. So you got a lot of people coming in, like I was saying about the medical center, uh, uses Cuyuna as a recruitment tool. Um, yeah, you've got a lot of a lot of people who um, maybe moved away or coming back or entirely new to the area. But Derek, yeah, Derek's a good representative of this sort of young energy and finding kind of a, a bit of a ref sanctuary there, you know, like seeing himself in the mix of things. And he's really immersed as a guide, and owning property and having his own, he's a, uh, a farmer of sorts on his own right. So, yeah. A couple more things for Bob Timmons enjoying this conversation about the Cuyuna Lakes area and just how, how that's taken off as a, you know, outdoor resource for so many things. Um, you know, whenever I hear about a new energy in a place, I wonder if there's any kind of conflict between the old and the new, or is that not the case here? Do you feel like this, you know, this area has kind of seamlessly or you know, seamlessly is probably overstepping because there's always going to be something, but is, is it, does it feel like the transition has been more or less natural and it's not, uh, not this kind of conflict between the old and the new, what used to be and what is now? Um, that's again, you're, you're getting to the heart of, uh, you know, as wildly successful um, as these trails have become, as the wreck area has become, you know, 10 years ago, um, as this was coming together there, you know, there wasn't a lot of buy-in, you know, Crosby Ironton was um, going through a bad, you know, a really bitter school strike um, back in like, I think 2006 uh, things seemed to be very fragile there. And so now the trail all of a sudden, okay, we're building, you know, mountain bike trail systems coming to Cuyuna and there's people milling around on bikes. And there's a lot, there's a lot of old guard who wondered like, you know, what's going on here. And uh, there's, I've heard that from many sources, like, you know, it took, um, there were a lot of people who were dubious about, uh, about bike tourism being something that could, that could, the community could prosper from that. But, and so maybe it would be a one-off, okay, people are coming here to ride, are they spending money? You know, it's, it's a pittance. Well, now, um, you know, 
there's been, uh, you know, there's data there um, based on even usership last year. The Chamber of Commerce, Canada Lakes Chamber of Commerce, uh, based on a study um, that was done several years ago about um, estimating spending by biker. Um, if you sort of crunch those numbers based on those 160,000 plus who even went there last year in 2020, that injects something like 16 million into the local economy. Yeah. So now, in terms of buy-in, back to the point, you know, yeah. the question about yeah, there was there was a tough time. Uh, a lot of people were wondering about all these cyclists milling about, and then there were others on the flip side saying, "Well, we don't have a lot of options here. You know, yeah. this is something we need to." We need to go hard after, and we're going to try and win people over, whether it's people in the DNR or community um, organizers at certain levels who you needed some buy-in. But, you know, they're getting a lot of different land users from bait shop owners to, um, you know, ATVers. You've got a lot of stakeholders who who have an interest in this area who are now all working together in, in ways that they didn't, didn't foresee five, ten years ago. That's cool. I like that. Um, last thing. I know there was, I believe there's a list of, you know, places to to check out while you're there, trails you're you're wanting to look at. Anything in particular stand out from you or, you know, our Star Tribune colleagues as to like the kind of a don't miss in that area? Or is there any like, is, are there any things that like are kind of the 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 gems above all the other gems there? <laughs> well, you know, to really get uh, informed about it, I guess you said you'd say. And, and and especially not feel intimidated about it because there's so many options now with opening some of these more these trails for advanced riders and so forth. But I would say, um, you know, there's a the Miners Mountain Rally Center is kind of um, on you know near Huntington Mine Lake is um, a good place to anchor yourself. You know, a good place to start uh, if you want to get into the system. Um, and get on some, uh, ease yourself in on some of the green trails. And then, you know, everything's, everything by and by is connected too. So with a little homework, you know, people listening to this who are thinking about it, do some homework. Um, go on Cuyuna.com is a great website where you can kind of get your bearings. Also the DNR's uh, website regarding the rec area. But yeah, Miners Mountain, I would, I would suggest that's a great place to start. And, um, if you want to just roll and get a feel for things, there's also the Cuyuna Lake State Trail. Part of it, you know, it's still growing, is uh, runs through the area. So if you just want to hit the paved trail too, um, around the rec area and kind of get a, a sense of uh, the landscape, that's a great, great idea as well. And that's uh, maybe less intimidating for some. So, yeah. It's probably where I would start. <laughs> if I'm hey. being, if, just me personally, not, uh, not, not, ever, not the listener, but that's where I would start anyway. Yeah. Well, yeah. Bob, great work. Um, always enjoy reading what you cook up in these uh, in these special outdoor sections. Check that out in Friday's print edition of the Star Tribune and on startribune.com. Bob Timmons, I'm sure we'll talk again down the road. Uh, have a great rest of your day, all right? You too, Ramball. Thanks for having me on. Great conversation with Bob. Always love to have him on the show. He's, he's very measured and thorough in his reporting and his responses. I feel like all of our Star Tribune writers know their sor- their sources, their subjects so well. But I think Bob certainly is, you know, 
at the at the top of that list for me at least. He just he's got that you know the outdoor kind of recreation side of the outdoors, not the not the hunting and fishing so much, but you know the the biking, the running, the uh, you know the trail the trail work stuff like that. He's got that so well covered. He's living that experience too. That I really enjoy having him on the show to talk about that. Couple more things before we go. NBA draft is Thursday night. The Wolves don't have a pick, not a first round pick, not a second round pick. Still going to watch, but it is very strange for a team that has lived in the lottery. Let's be honest. When you don't make the playoffs, you know, you make the playoffs only once since 2004, the lottery becomes a big part of your life. Well, that's not part of their life this year. They, they traded that pick as part of the D'Angelo Russell trade. They actually traded their second round pick as well. So they don't have a pick right now. They might move back into the draft a little bit. We'll have to see how that works out tonight if there's any trades anything of that anything like that but as for right now this is the most anticlimactic wolves draft that i can remember um and so you know we're just gonna have to find out how that all works out for them and uh you know do they do they just kind of stand pat do they you know do they make a move do they do they just you know think that leandro balmaro one of their draft and stash guys uh from from last season is that kind of the equivalent of their draft pick we'll see Draft is tonight, though. I'll be keeping an eye on it, but not the uh, the same two eyes on it that I might have usually done. Let's finish with the cooler in case you were worried that because Aaron Rodgers was back in Green Bay and at training camp that everything was just fine there. It really isn't. He talked for the first time on Wednesday, and it sure sounds like there was, you know, this, this stuff in the offseason was very much real. He said he pondered retirement, said things still aren't, you know, still aren't really settled with him in Green Bay. It sounds like more or less, he came back for this year because he still has a competitive fire and because he loves his teammates, not because of any, you know, love for the way things have been handled. Basically admitted he kind of wants to be a part-time GM. I just want to be involved in conversations that affect my ability to do my job, he said when he was asked about that. And he said, I'm not sure uh, if that will still happen. Another quote from him uh, about uh, you know players that have left the organization that he wanted to stay. I wanted to help the organization maybe learn from some of the mistakes in the past and about the way that some of the outgoing veterans were treated. And just the fact that we didn't retain a number of guys that I felt were core players to our foundation, to our locker room, high character guys. And then he kind of went through the timeline of the offseason, said he talked about, you know, thought about retirement, things like that. So not that this is messy necessarily. It's kind of good to get this all out there, but you know, if if you thought that this was a resolved, it's all behind us issue, certainly doesn't sound that way. And so we'll still be keeping an eye on this as the camp and season progresses. That's it for me today. Great stuff uh, coming up tomorrow as well. I'm sure we'll recap the NBA draft, see what happened there, see if the Wild do anything else, see what happens with the Twins and the trade deadline coming up tomorrow as well. Thanks for listening. We'll be back at it again on Friday. 